Thank you, Father, for this day. Lord, even as we now meditate upon your words, speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, we want to hear from you. Anoint us in our hearing, in our speaking. And Lord, grant us the willingness to obey what you have spoken into our hearts. To that end, I pray that you would speak to us and empower us, O Lord, and wash us by your water of the word. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Things that um, defined his Christian walk, if you will, is that he never forgot where he came from. He never forgot that. I mean, you can talk about several other things, but one of the things that you can see through his life is that he never forgot where God picked him up from. You see, that is that is the key. I just want us to uh, keep that in mind even as we say, in remembrance of me. Okay, this is the third month. So just keep that in mind even as we progress. And I just want to look at a few verses. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church. He always remembered that. I mean you see that you will never see Peter saying, you know, I denied Jesus three times. John never saying I ran away. Except of course in this epistles maybe he confesses that. Yeah, if Peter wrote Mark, I'm not sure, we don't know. The Mark's, uh, Mark's gospel, they say, is a dictation of Peter, but I don't know. You see, you see, this is one thing that you'll always see this man, he never forgot his roots. Another place, Galatians chapter 1 verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God. Okay, And that actually defined his final letter, even till the end of his life when he writes his final letter to his beloved son, Timothy. He's not ashamed uh, about, about talking about his past, you know. Look at what he says. I mean, it's not that he's walking under condemnation. He's walking under this tremendous conviction that he was a recipient of God's mercy. Yeah, so First Timothy chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 again. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful to be, uh, to be in the, uh, faithful putting me into the ministry. Although I was a formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. You see that? That's, that's the life of this man. He never forgot his roots. Today's sermon's title is, Lest I Forget. I like that song. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget his agony. Lest I forget his love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Today we just don't want to forget that. And pastor was talking about the third day. And there's a very interesting um, episode in the in the book of Genesis. Where this particular third day feature comes up in Connection with forgetting. This is found in Genesis chapter 40. Let us look at this beautiful story and look at these patterns in scripture. Genesis 40. So this is Pharaoh's, uh, the butler and the, and the baker. They are in the prison. Remember that? And both of them have a vision and both of them are troubled by their visions. And look at this pattern. I'm just looking at a pattern over here. This is Genesis chapter 40 verse 7 onwards. So he asked Pharaoh's officer who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, Why do you look so sad? Question today. Are you sad? This morning? Well, let's look at reasons why people could be sad. And they said to him, We have, we each have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. So Joseph said to him, of course, this is a picture of Jesus, of course. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. 
The chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to them, Behold, in my dream a wine was before me and the wine was with three, uh, in the wine were three branches. It was a, it was as though it budded, its blossom shot forth and its clusters brought forth grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up, uh, lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But what? Remember me, please. Please don't forget me. Please remember me when it was well, when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to the Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. This is verse 20, that he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker. You see that two things? He restored the chief butler, he hanged the chief baker. Do you see the connection over here? Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. That's amazing. You see this? He restored the chief butler, he hanged the chief baker. If you go through the Bible and look at the word hang, Think about that. Don't you see a picture of Jesus over here? He was hung on the cross so that we could be restored to our position on the third day. During World War II, a lot of soldiers were writing letters to their family. I mean, talking about the, the people, the allied troops. And they had a chapel chaplain in the chapel and they would write letters to the to their homes and the chaplain would would edit them and screen them to see if they're you know sending any uh, false information and stuff and and he was supposed to post them and there was this particular night uh, during world war 2 a night before a very very major major operation an intense attack was supposed to take place and after the attack was over, uh, they successfully finished the operation. The the chaplain was so caught up with the operation that he forgot to post the letters. And when he, uh, after the operation was over, he was trying to sift through the letters. And he found a particular, uh, I mean, he found two letters with the same handwriting. Uh, one was a letter before the operation. And one was a letter after the operation. Look at what letter one says. Mother... I vow before God that if I come through tomorrow, I am going to live for Jesus and serve him all the days of my life. This was before the battle. The battle was won. The same handwriting, another letter. John, a friend, just come through a scorcher upon the front. If you can get leave and meet me in Paris, let's plan on getting drunk together. That's us. Forget. We forget so easily. Genesis 41 verses 9 to 10. And the king's wine thus taster spoke up. You know what he said? Today I remember my sin. Some time ago, when you were angry with a couple of us, who was angry? Is not God angry with all of us? 
put me and the chief baker in jail in the castle of the captain of the guard and everything happened just as he said. I was restored to my position of wine taster and the chief baker was executed, impoled on a pole. What does Deuteronomy chapter uh, 21 verses 22 and 23 say? If a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance for he who hangs on a tree is cursed of the Lord. Can you imagine this? Jesus became a curse for us so that we could inherit the blessing. Do you see the pattern over here? Do you see how grievous a sin it is to forget that? Galatians chapter 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So this morning, I want us to look at what do we forget? How do we forget? I'm going to look at, we know this very famous psalm. Psalm which talks about, don't forget. Anybody? Quiz question. Don't forget. Thank you. Psalm 103. Okay. All of our children are learning Psalm 103. Look at what it says in Psalm 103. And I want to look at uh, certain things that we forget conveniently. You see, the good that people do is often forgotten in the grave, but the evil is spoken of through the microphone. Through all honorable men, said Mark Anthony. Not because I like Shakespeare, but because I like Marlon Brando. Okay. Because I love his acting in his monologue of Mark Anthony. is just out of the world. He was better than Charleston Haston, by the way. <laughs> just out of the world. Beautiful monologue. So, so easy to remember the evil that people do. That is how a fallen man is. You understand? When our, when we fell, when Adam and Eve fell, it even affected our memory. As Spurgeon says, it affected our memory in that our memory, we had a lot of memory without integrity. A lot of memory without integrity. So let us look at Psalm 103, the famous, famous Psalm, and let us look at five dimensionalities of what we forget. Look at what five dimensionalities of what we forget. Psalm 103 enjoins us. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's all read it together. Okay, as a church. Famous suck. Okay, let's say. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and with tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And please note that good things, things is in italics. So what does that mean? By this time you should be knowing. It's not there in the original, right? So who satisfy your mouth with? Good, thank you, that's enough. Alright? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many? Five. And five is the number of? Grace. Fantastic. Alright. So let us look at, just enumerate these five things and meditate upon them. Okay? Enumerate five things, meditate upon them. I'm going to give you five C's plus another three C's. Okay? It's a C, 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 C. Okay? Long time. A, B, A, B. No? C. Okay. <laughs> you didn't get it. Okay, no problem. Who forgives all our iniquities, 
heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, that is essentially the pit of hell or Sheol. Crowns us with loving kindness and with tender mercies. Satisfies our mouth with good. So that our youth is renewed like the eagles. So first of all, let's look at forgiving of all our iniquities. Forgives all our iniquities. What? Why is a, Why does he say, forget not all his benefits. Don't forget the first thing. Do not forget the fact that God is a God who has forgiven all our iniquities. Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, which iniquity essentially also means avon, which means not only uh, 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 an act of rebellion, but also the punishment associated with an act of rebellion. Avon is the Hebrew word for that. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Psalm 32, quoted again in in Romans chapter 4. So, how did this happen? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. It says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6. All say that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That is rebellion. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And most of the time we forget so easily. That God took our punishment for our iniquity. Genesis chapter 4 verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment or iniquity is greater than I can bear. You forgot the fact that you just murdered your brother. Forgot so conveniently. I mean, it's so easy, you know, for people to just, you know, they they mess up somebody's reputation, for example. And they come and act as if nothing has happened and they expect us to just get along well. Have you seen that? They don't even want to talk about it. That's Cain. Psalm 103 verse 10. Look at what it says. Psalm 103 verse 10. The same Psalm. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor what? Punished or rewarded us according to our iniquities. So what is the first C that we forget? We forget his compassion. What do we forget? We forget God's compassion. So how do you gauge whether you have forgotten God's compassion or not? Question, very simple. Are you compassionate? Simple. You see, it's so quick. Look at Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 22. You know this very well. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often my brother sin against me and I forgive him. Seven times seven, okay? I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And he gives this incredible parable of the servant. Remember? The servant who owed 10,000 talents and he had another guy who owed few talents. Or maybe even a few dinari. And he immediately forgets the compassion that was, that the master showed him and he is not compassionate to his other, to his uh, fellow servant. So easy. We all forget the compassion that God bestowed on our lives. And how do we gauge that? Really honestly, are we a set of compassionate loving people? Do we really extend mercy to others? Check your mercy meter. MM. Then the master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave all the debt you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his mercy, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay 
all his debts. So also my heavenly father will not, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And the most difficult thing to do, you know, is not giving to the church, is to extend forgiveness. Especially when you're right and the other person is wrong. Right? I mean, it happens in, in the closest of relationships, spouses, spouses, most of the time, it's very difficult because in the closest of relationships, you are yourself. Okay. That is where compassion has to be, has to be measured. Do we really forgive? Just, I'm just starting off. Okay. Just pay, uh, come along with me. We forget his compassion. And just giving you an example. We looked at it sometime back. This is the example of Shimei. We know Shimei who was, who was cursing David on the way when he was going through the Kidron Valley. And when he came back, he came and, you know, he did some bootlicking and David let him go. But, you know, Solomon said, be careful of that, of that guy. And, you know, Shimei comes to Solomon and he says, please, 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 please don't kill me and this is what uh, the king has to say then the king sent and summoned shimei and said to him build yourself a house in jerusalem and dwell there and do not go out from there to any place whatsoever for on the day that you go out and cross the brook kidron know that know for certain that you shall die your blood shall be upon your own head what is jerusalem jerusalem is a place of peace okay so if you really want to Come under the peace that God gives us is one thing that we need to always understand and believe is that we should always also should be channels of peace. So Solomon is a picture of Jesus Christ and he's saying, you want to really enjoy mercy, boss, ensure that you pursue holiness with God and peace with men. Peace with men. And this time, what happens? Shimea said to the king, what you say is good. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days, but it happened after how many years? Three years. We know that story, the parable in Luke's gospel chapter 17, the parable of the vineyard. After three years, the master comes to look for what? Fruit. Compassion is there. So what happens to Shimei? Shimei has something very interesting. Two of Shimei's servants ran away to Akish, son of of Maka, the king of Gath. And it was told Shimei, behold, your servants are in Gath. Very, very cryptic language. That means servants have run away from your home. You know, your mercy is tested how you use your authority over the weak people in your house. Okay. If you are having a office, you're a boss. Okay. And you are the boss and you have people under you, especially it happens in universities, professors and teachers, when their grades are in your hand. Okay, I remember, no, first time, first time I had a bunch of 150 students in my class and a couple of guys were misbehaving. And I was young, I was just started into the university, just one year into my, into my, into my, into my uh, uh, job and guys were, one guy was just going crazy out of the world and using all kinds of innuendos and trying to play the fool. I looked at him and I said, I'll be personally taking your viva. I'll be really interested how you perform your experiment. Okay? You should see that kid on the day of the exam. Because they pick their experiment by lots. If you know, if you have done your engineering, you know how they pick their experiments by lot. So this fellow came, hand shivering, I was watching him. He picked his, picked his uh, 
He went to his desk and I'm not kidding you. You should see the way he was connecting the circuit. You see? And after that I said, okay. <laughs> I don't want to drive him that crazy, okay? You see, this is how we act. You know, when we, when people run away from your home, especially servants are running away from your home, we know what kind of a master you are. See? See that? Don't forget that God was compassionate to you. Be compassionate to others. Don't forget his compassion. Second, he heals all our, what? Diseases. Let me tell you, we'll look at the major disease that we have and which is the root cause of all other diseases. And you can call it Kabbalah. Somebody said something. Yeah, don't be ashamed, bro. Sin, yeah. Sin is a major sin. Major disease. Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 12 to 13. Look at what it says. For thus says the Lord, your hurt is incurable. Your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause. No medicine for your wound. No healing for you. It's absolutely, that is the same word. It says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. The word is incurably wicked. That's actually the rendering of the Hebrew. It's incurable. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 15. Why do you cry out over your hurt? Your pain is incurable because your guilt is great. Because your sins are flagrant. I have done these things to you. So our disease, our disease is sin. So if you want healing, what do we do? We know very well this particular verse in 1 John chapter 1. All of us know very well. Yes, which verse am I referring to? By this time you should be knowing in Grace Tabernacle Church what I am referring to. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us. Remember the leper coming to Jesus. Lord, if you are willing, you can what? Cleanse me. And what, what did Jesus say? I am willing be cleansed. Yeah? Leprosy is a sign of sin, of course. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So what is this? Why do we fall sick? What is the cause for our disease? Primarily, James chapter 5, especially in believer's life, if it is not allowed by God, is this. James chapter 5. Is anyone you, anyone among you is what? Many people was were praying for healing. Asking for healing. Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. What should they do? The elders will not call you. You should Ah, because if you call the elder, they will ask you, what did you do? Why are you sick? People don't want, please let them come and just heal, pray over me. They don't want that. So, and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has, what? Committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be. So what do we forget? First, we forget our compassion. Second, we forget our confession. Thank you so much. We forget our confession. And the question, therefore, is what is genuine confession? What does confession actually mean? What does confession mean? 
Matthew Henry gives a fantastic definition of sin. Okay. Look at what Matthew Henry has to say in his commentary on Genesis chapter 3. Okay, very interesting. Matthew Henry. The servant beguiled me. Sin is a brat nobody is willing to own. What do I do? Not my, not my baby. We do a Michael Jackson Billie Jean. Billie Jean, he's just a girl. She says, I am the one, but the kid is not my son. And you, you need to understand, okay, you, I mean, you go to Quora, Q-U-O-R-A, which is an authentic website, and you look at the, the history of Billie Jean, how it came. Matthew, Michael Jackson and his whatever. Exactly. Sin is a brat that nobody wants to own. It is a what thing? Scandalous thing. You know the word for offense in the Greek is the word scandal in its own. It's a scandal. Confessing Christ is a scandal. Confessing your sin is a scandal. So what is genuine confession therefore? The genuine confession is when we own up. Now what is owning up? One man of God in Telugu gave a fantastic definition. I'm translating into English. Okay. This is what he says about confession. You know what this is? This is confession. Okay. When our, when our opinion about ourselves matches with God's opinion about us, then we have an authentic conversion. Okay. So, what does it matter here? Authentic confession is when we come to God and say, Lord, this is what I truly am. Like Pastor was talking about yesterday in men's meeting. What's and all. This is what I am, truly. Don't paint the picture without my pimples. Show all the pimples and the everything on my face. You see that? Here? I have a chukka. Because of chicken pox. All the days of my life, when I take the picture, sometimes those guys, they do all kinds of hopping and they give me this passport size photo and I say, who is this fellow? You seen that? When you look at your passport, hey, Sometimes, you know, this is, this is exactly what God is saying. Don't try to morph your pictures. My vantage point and your vantage point have to match them. That is authentic confession. You see. But the problem is that people, people forget this. You know, they forget our confession. We forget our God's compassion and therefore we also forget his, our confession. And Luke's Gospel chapter 7 verse 28 and 29. Look at what the Pharisees and the tax collectors do. And all the tax collectors and the people heard him. Even the tax collectors, what did they do? They justified God. You know what they said? God, you are right, God. You are just. You, I, they were just, they did a Moses on God. They said, Lord, all your ways are what? Righteousness and justice. We were supposed to die on the cross, but you died on our behalf. This is what we are. Boy, 
You know what true genuine brokenness is when we come to the point in our life where we are sick and tired of hiding what we authentically are. Till that time there is no genuine confession. We have forgotten our confession. Don't forget your confession, saints. Matthew chapter 3. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan. What did they, What were they doing? Confessing their sins. Everybody, publicly they had to confess their sins. Public neck, no confession, no baptism. Can you imagine? Today? Publicly what you are, you should confess. No, I mean, I mean, even in our church we do it. Did you confess all your known sins? Repent of all your known sins? And we sometimes glibly say, yes, I did. We don't know. We just take you at your word. See? Don't forget your confession. Confessing their sins. And the humility of Jesus. That he has to stand in the line of all the sinners. So number number one goes and he goes into the Jordan. This is what I did. I was a wife beater. I did gambling. I drank. I get drunk. I did all these things. I confess before the Lord. Repent. Get out. Next. All the people. What did you do? What did you do? I was like this. I was like Then Jesus is standing quietly in the midst of all of them. What did you do? Nothing. Are you sure? Why are you standing here then? Remember the scene in Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> you seen that? They ask him the question, why are you here in this jail? Lawyer messed me up. Somebody says, I did not do it. And then they ask Morgan Freeman, why are you here? I'm the only guilty one in Shawshank. It's remarkable. Only guilty one in Shawshank. Confessing your sins. Don't forget your confession, my dear brothers and sisters. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said, brood of vipers, who want you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and not think to say yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Don't forget your confession. So what does it mean? Owing up and taking responsibility is genuine confession. And one of the most inauthentic beliefs or faiths, the three kinds of uh, uh, wrong faiths. There is, first is the demonic faith. There is faith without works which is dead. The dead faith, the demonic faith and unconfessed faith. We looked at it on Wednesday, right? Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 12. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise that comes from God alone. Thank God for Jesus. You don't take responsibility? You know what Jesus said? I will take responsibility. For he hath made him. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. Fear, fear. For we, he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew, who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know there's a graphic description of this in Ezekiel chapter 16. And I want to look at that. You know Ezekiel chapter 16. Even Spurgeon says should not be read in public. 
It's so graphic. If you think Isaiah 53 is the Holy of Holies of the Bible, this is possibly the next of the Holy of Holies, Holies of the Bible is Ezekiel chapter 16, where God is graphically dis- depicting his, his relationship with his, with his, with his, with his, with his people. Ezekiel chapter 16. Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Verse 1. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. A very famous in US, your mama jokes. Something like that. Your mother was a Amorite. Sorry, your father was an Amorite, your mother was a Hittite. It is insult to Jerusalem. As for you, for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's talking about this child that nobody wants. Jerusalem of this child. Nobody wants this child. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. How could we live unless Jesus died in our place and we made sin for us? Did you forget that? Don't forget. Don't forget your confession. You know, he has a very interesting name for Jesus. He's called the high priest and the apostle of our ah, confession. You want him, want him to take his confession before God and say, Lord, please forgive their sin. Better let your confession be authentic. Because you cannot lie before God. It says in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So first, don't forget his compassion. Second, don't forget your confession. Third, who redeems our life from destruction or the pit. What should we not forget here? Who goes into the pit? Who goes into the grave? What happens to them, who do, those who go in the grave? We forget our corruption. You forget his compassion, we forget our confession, and therefore we also forget our corruption that is inside of, us, of each one of us. Romans chapter 7 verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to how to perform what is good, I do not find. Boy, are you aware of the of the corruption inside of you? Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a very interesting book called The Temptation, and I'm just reading an excerpt from that book on corruption and, and on forget, forgetfulness. This is what he has to say. Dietrich Bonhoeffer on his book, The Confessions, in his book, The Confessions. In our members, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire, which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. All at once, a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and it is in flames. It takes, it makes no difference whether it is a sexual desire or ambition or vanity 
our desire for revenge, our love for fame and power, our greed for money. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. Remember these words. He loses all reality and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with hatred for God. No, 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 no. But with forgetfulness of God. How many of you think that David hated God? But on that day, when he went to the temple, when he went onto the rooftop, what did he do? He did not hate God. He forgot God. It is here that everything within me rises up against the word of God. Therefore, the Bible teaches us in terms of temptation in the flesh, there is one command. What is it? Run. Flee fornication. Flee idolatry. Flee youthful lusts. Flee the lusts of the world. There is no resistance to Satan and lust other than fight. Flight, not fight. Flight. Every struggle against lust is one's own strength. In one's own strength is doomed to failure. Don't forget your Corruption. Corruption. There is one inexorable law in the universe. You know what that law is? Yeah, absolutely. We all know that verse very well. Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also he will reap. For he who sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And this is the first commandment or law Isaac had to learn in the days of famine. When you know what? Everything within him was saying, go to Egypt. You know what Jesus told or God told him on the way to Egypt? He said, sow here and you will reap a harvest. First law. Don't forget. It's like third law. Don't forget our corruption. Deep down inside of us, there's a desire. And you know how easily we fall? Have you ever seen it? How easily? No? How easy for us to fall? That is the reason why First Corinthians chapter 10 will say, take what? Heed. If, if any man thinks that he stands, take he lest he fall. He, you can fall just in a minute like that. You don't even realize. Corruption. Don't forget your corruption. So first, let us review. First, don't forget his compassion. Don't forget your confession. Don't forget your corruption. Third thing. Crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. What is this? Loving kindness and tender mercies. What do we forget over here? Excuse me? What is kindness? What does the kindness of God lead us to? Repentance. So what do we forget? We forget our conversion. First we forget God's compassion. Second we forget our confession. Third we forget our corruption. Fourth we forget our conversion. From darkness to light. From power of Satan to the power of God. So that we might receive forgiveness. Look at what it says. We know this was very well. Or do you not know, or, or do you show contempt for the riches of his, what? Kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. This is conversion. 
Repentance. How do we know that we have repented? First thing that we have repented, let me tell you something. When you have repented, it will show. The first thing you know what will happen when you're when you're genuinely repentant, you will be converted like a little child. I remember the story of this. Uh, I shared it some time back. David Pawson in one of his uh, one of his uh, teachings, he talks about this uh, this uh, uh, rock band guy who was a leader of a rock band. And after he got converted, he wanted to take baptism. Okay, he wanted to take baptism. He and he was, his conversion was really, really genuine. 180 degrees shift. And he turned, turned toward God. And one day he said, I wanted to take baptism. So, you know, he used to witness all the baptism events in his church. And in that church, every church had their own baptism. You know, in US and UK, you have baptism uniforms. Okay, everybody, they give you a baptism uh, uniform, the what you have to wear, and when you go inside, all the males were supposed to wear a white t-shirt. And this guy was a little embarrassed. You know why? Because in on his sh- front and on his back, he had Satan tattooed all over his chest and on his back. He had Satan tattooed. And he said, Lord, I want to take baptism, but can I take secret baptism? Uh, if you are ashamed of me, okay, don't forget your confession. Show everything. And he said, Lord, what is this? And he was getting convicted. And he wanted to take baptism. And he said, one fine day, he said, okay, Lord, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care. But I will obey you in the waters of baptism. You know what happened to that guy? He goes into the waters of baptism. After he prays his prayer of confession, the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. He dunks him into the water. And when he comes out, the tattoos literally come out of his t-shirt and fall into the waters of baptism like that. I mean, this is David Pawson, okay? You can go and check him. He's a genuine man of God. He is the one who uh, who gave this uh, legacy called Unlocking the Bible series. Remarkable. What a testimony. I said, Lord, this is powerful. And, and, and if God can do something like that to that man, think about us. See that? Don't forget your conversion. You have to become like a little child. I don't care what people think about me. I just, I am my myself. I don't care what Pastor Vijay has to say about me. You have all children from GTLC. You should see how unashamedly shameless they are. They don't care what Pastor Vijay will think. You should see. That girl, she tempted me. I mean, they're so good. I Lord, beautiful Lord. And she's expecting me to take that story. See that? That is conversion. We forget our conversion. We forget the kindness of God. You know what happens? What happens in genuine conversion? Something authentic happens in genuine conversion. Pastor James was talking about his, uh, his, uh, you know, um, his college uh, episode, right? And he was talking about Pastor Eric. You know those days, you know, we started three young men. Pastor Eric and, uh, and Abel over here and another young man who used to go from every, from every bookshop, one Christian bookstore to the other and also secular bookstore sometimes and put transcripts everywhere. On fire for God. I know Pastor Eric, boy, used to come in early in the morning to church. 
Nobody was there. Right there in the hall. On fire for God. He opens the door and he prays and prays and prays and prays. And he goes to the church office, prays. And he to remember that young man. On fire, on fire for God. That's what happens when genuine conversion, authentic conversion takes place. You are on fire for God. You are not ashamed to confess him. You become like a little child. Have you forget, forgotten your conversion days? Remember those conversion days? When no Bible study was long distance. Church service was not long distance. Ministry was... Anybody could call. And you would go. Conversion. We forget our conversion. Second Corinthians chapter 7. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And look at this, look at the, look at the authenticity of the, of the conversion when he is describing this conversion. For behold, this self same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What revenge. In all things. This is zeal. This is conversion. Boy, you are on fire for God. And a lot of, lot of Christians, they burn like a tataku. When you, when you fire it up, gone, over. And madam comes into your life. Anta chalar Everything has gone dormant. What happened to this form of zeal? Gone. Yesterday, pastor was talking to us and he said, oh, you guys are married. What's going on? Remember your conversion. Don't forget it. Remember your conversion, saints. You know, I remember when I came back to the Lord. You should see that Bible. I used to take that morning till evening. Read, 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 read. And people in my room, they looked at me and I said, Vijay, what is wrong with you, man? I didn't even speak one word of Jesus Christ. They just looked at my life. There's something that has changed in you. Authentic conversion. After I got converted the first time, first time I went to college, my friends looked at me and said, what happened to your face, man? It's glowing. Conversion. And what happened to your glow? Gone. They come from 100 watts to almost 0 watt, 1 watt. Gone. All zeal gone. All fire gone. Because you forgot your conversion. You loved me. Remember? Like in Jeremiah says, Boy, I remember the love of your espousals. When you were in the wilderness, Israel was holiness to the Lord. And I loved you. You were mine. Don't forget your conversion, my dear brothers. Don't forget, please don't forget your conversion. Revelation chapter 3 verse 15 onwards. I know your works that thou art neither cold nor hot. You know, don't burn like a tatichatu, tataku. Burn like that one wood. No, I don't remember, I don't remember the name in, in English. It's like, you know, it burns consistently, gradually, constantly, slowly. But the warmth is always there. The fire is always there. Do you love, like, like to be with believers? Think about it. How many of you just want to be with believers? The first 
thing that you, when you know that you are authentically converted, is you want to be with a set of people who are on fire for God. Two is better than one. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking. Okay, this is this is serious. Now, when when we were uh, driving to Jamshedpur, okay, Eric and I, fifteen hundred kilometers, we made it in one, almost like uh, fourteen or fifteen hours, twelve hundred kilometers. Okay. But you wouldn't believe it. Through the time when we were in the car, we were just talking and talking about the word and 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 the word. Through. It was amazing. I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to do a road trip like that again. From Hyderabad to Jamshedpur. Amazing experience. Love to be with God's people. And when he came to Hyderabad, I said, sisters, I want to go and, you know, pick him up from the airport. Sam and I go, pick him up from the airport and enters into the car. Boom! Start off again. Fire. Burning. Zeal. See, love to be with God's people. Now, I, these days I, I really find some people, you know, they give excuses why they should not be at a church. I, I can't really imagine life without church. Honestly. Not because I'm a preacher. You can, ask, you can ask pastor before I was sent here to the pulpit. Reluctantly. Fire. I love to be with God's people. Oh, what a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a, what a fun just to see their happy faces, praise in God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. That is the reason why, you know, Ephesians will say, he says, that along with the saints that you may comprehend what? The length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of the love of God. You will not understand the dimensionalities of the love of God unless you are in fellowship. I look at Peter and I say, boy, Peter, this is how God loved you. This is what I'm looking for. This is a new dimensionality. I never thought that God can love people like that. This is how God loved you. This is how God loved you. Boy, I'm encouraged because there's fire. Have, protect that fire, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't forget your, what? Conversion. First, you forget your, forget God's compassion. And then you forget your confession. And then you forget your corruption. And then you forget your conversion. And then, as many as I love, I rebuke. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Thank God for chastening, right? Chastening is a very good thing in life. We'll come to chastening later, later on. Okay? We'll come to chastening. It's a chastening is a very interesting topic. So, what is the fifth thing? Satisfies our mouth with good. Again, let us let us remove things and read it together. Satisfies our mouth with good, so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you are growing young? Don't think about Raiders of the Last Ark. Or something else. Forget that. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Question. Who is good? Answer. Are you all pichukas. Parrots. Oh. Taste and see that the Lord is Good, blessed is the man who trusts in him. 
So who satisfies your what with good? Your mouth with good. Remember Ezekiel? Son of man, take this scroll and eat it. Mm, he takes it in his mouth. Honey, must there. And then after he internalizes that word of God, he becomes a mouthpiece of God. He digests what God gives him and he feeds it to the others. Because he understands the goodness of God. And therefore, you know what he writes, Ezekiel chapter 16. Go home and read through Ezekiel chapter 16. And you know what will happen if you give it to uh, our censor board in, in India? They will also go on Hartal like they went for Arjun Reddy. They will say, A certificate. The small children are there, so I don't want to, I didn't want to read it here today. It's graphic! It's tremendously graphic! Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm one of my, like, I read it every time I read it, I just cry. I, I just can't stop just getting emotional. I say, Lord, is this authentic tears, Lord? <laughs> is this authentic conversion? Confession. It's powerful! Powerful. The heart of God. How Israel treats God and how they forget Him. It's what we call as uh, spiritual. What do you think forgetting in psychiatry language? In amnesia. Spiritual amnesia. It's not short term memory loss. You remember in Jeremiah chapter 2, can a bride forget her ornaments can a bride forget her wedding dress? How long can you forget God? But my people have forgotten me. Fill in the blanks. Days without number. Days without number mathematically is equal to infinity. Cryptic mathematical statement he has done there. In other words, if God will not interfere in your life, you have the capacity to forget him all eternity. Forget, forget him. That's it. You will not factor him in your life. Can a bride forget her wedding ornaments and wedding dress? Oh, you should go to online. I'm yesterday Google Tali. No, I didn't put it up today. Google Tali. I just went to Google Tali and said, Namaskaram Google Tali. Wedding dress preparation. Suggestion. You know, when you type wedding dress preparation, full stop. Suggestion timeline. Oh, timeline good, Okay. Under, click. 12 months to your wedding. Get ready. Prepare the venue. Ah, prepare the date. Whether the wedding will be in spring or in autumn or in summer or in winter. So that you can get the chick. Chick? Chic. Oh, thank you. Chic. I don't know. Mandram Telugu medium Chic, chic, that is up to date fashion, so that you can get the chic dress. Six months to your wedding. Go to the tailor. Okay, lose weight in the process. Tailor will suggest, madam, this is this is. Four months to the wedding, three months to the wedding, two months to the wedding, one month to the wedding. Please take the wedding dress and protect it slowly and every day check whether you are in size or not. 
Can a bride forget her wedding dress? Can Indians forget their ornaments? That is what, that is what East India, no, our South India. When you look at that girl, she will be vaddanam, this and that, and she, she will be weighing 20 kilos extra with the gold on her. And Isaac gives a very interesting description about the daughters of Zion. The mascaras and the and the handbills and the this and the that and the it's like a fashion show in the East. I think fashion show went from the East to the West. Can they forget their wedding dress? But my children, days without number, they forget me. Think about it, no? How many times in the past you have forgotten to read your Bible? I can honestly before God shamelessly confess, 365 days in my life, I never read my Bible. I know, one year in my life, didn't read. And God looked at it and said, you went into the waters of baptism and you said that you will follow me, Right? And when Shibu said, how many of you wasted your life and you want to give your life to God? What did he say? Shibuana! Please, Shibuana. 365 days, forgotten. And if God wouldn't have interfered, that 365 days would have become infinity and you would have died in eternity. Away from me. Unless I have tasted and seen that God is What does it mean? Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that they have tasted that the Lord is good. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word of God. What do they forget here my dear brothers and sisters? You know what they forget here? We forget our source of genuine contentment. Sadhu Sundar Singh in his book talks about a wise man meeting three spiritual men. And this wise man looks at the first spiritual man and this is what he says. The first man was pale and withered and stricken with fear. He asked him, how is it that you are in such an evil state? He answered, The thought always troubles me that I may be cast into the fire of hell. The sage said, it is very sad that instead of the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, you have the fear of the created thing, hellfire. Your worship is not true. It is a kind of bribe which you offer in the hope of saving yourself. The second man sat consumed with grief and anxiety. The sage asked, why are you so sad but full of grief? He replied, I dressed lest I should be deprived of the joy and the rest of heaven. The wise man answered, it is a shame that you have left the thought of the creator and his wonderful love and only worship God out of the desire to gain heaven which is created by him. After talking with these two men, he met a third who was very happy and contented. He asked him, what is the secret of your joy and peace? He said, my constant prayer to him who taught me to worship God in spirit and in truth is that he may grant me that I may love him with all heart, soul, that I may serve and worship him by love alone. 
Should I worship him from fear of hell? May I be cast into it? Should I serve him from desire of gaining heaven? May I be kept out of it? But should I worship him from love alone? May he reveal himself to me that my whole heart may be filled with his love and presence. And I remember Pastor James talking about this. No, So many people will go to heaven and they will not miss Christ. Because they will not be found in Jerusalem. Don't forget the source of contentment. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I said to you, Seek me. You, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, and because, but because you ate the loaves and are filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal upon him. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That is the source of our contentment. That is the reason why Paul, you know, he he could finish his life. Look at what he has to say, his confession in Philippians chapter 4. I am not saying this because I am in need. They send him an offering. And he said, thank you, thank you, Philippians brothers. Thank you for the offering. But I don't say because I am in need. This is what I want to say. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what he says? My God shall supply your need. You need, I don't need. I have my God. We forget our source of contentment. And that is the reason why, you know, the children of Israel, they asked for earthly things. You know what God said? They gave, He gave them the desire of their heart. And what did they send? What did He send? In Psalm 106 verse 20, we know that verse very well. Yes? Say that loudly. You want to be renewed like the eagle or you want to be lean like a leanness in your soul? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Our outward man is perishing. The other day my wife took a video of me when I was not watching and she sent it to me. This is you. And I looked at it. You know, and I remembered Zakir Khan. You know who Zakir Khan? I was telling my wife. In Zakir Khan, it talks about four stages in a woman's life and two stages in a man's life. Four distinct stages, they know it very clearly. First thing, teen. Second thing, babe. Third thing, wife. Fourth thing, granny. But in uh, man's life, there are two stages which are not discrete. They are analogous, continuous. We don't know when it has happened. First thing, you look like a chocolate boy. Second thing, answer, uncle. Suddenly they will say, uncle. They used to call me bhaiya. Suddenly I become uncle. And I look at Jeff. He says, uncle. Hi, uncle. When did I become uncle? 
Shibu's son, the other day, called me uncle. I said, bro. Outward man, perishing. Even though our outward man is perishing and therefore we don't want to, we want to hide it. So we say, I die daily. Even though our outward man perishing, yet our inward man is being what? Oh, renewed. This is Apostle Paul. My youth is being renewed like the eagles. You should see the strength that I have in the spirit man. Timothy, I'm going to give you a run for your money. You want to know, do you want to gauge my spiritual strength? I'm like a young man. Spiritually. Why? You know why? We do not look at the things which are seen, whether, but which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are what? Uh, what is eternal? Tell me. This is eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. I have Him, the source of life. And I'm young all my life. Don't forget the source of your contentment. You know, all this, you know why it happens? You know, all this, why we forget his compassion, why we forget our confession, why we forget our corruption, why we forget our conversion, why we forget our source of contentment. You know why? Because we forget the crucifixion. Forget the crucifixion. Brethren, Philippians chapter 3, join in following my example. Kya baat hai? Who dares to say this, my dear brothers and sisters? Join in following my example. Oh, don't follow me, don't follow me. Follow the brother over there. I'm not fit. That is all false humility, Baba. You don't have the audacity to say, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Give up like the way I gave up God. Give up everything. Give up. Give up. And taste and see that the Lord is good. See how I'm spiritually strong. Note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. Can you imagine? He becomes the standard. I love that. Initially Christ was the standard. Now become who becomes the standard? Paul becomes the standard. And I was telling somebody, you know, Paul was living the way Jesus would have left had he lived on earth. That is what his conviction was. For many walk of whom have, have told you often and not tell you even with weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. My people have committed two evils. They have forgotten me, the swords of living water, and have hewn for themselves broken systems that can hold no water. You know why? Because we forget the crucifixion. Finally, in order to come back, we should not forget Correction. How many of you want to get corrected? Raise your two hands. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. We forget correction. You know how James beautifully describes forgetting correction. 
James chapter 1 verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive it. Meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Why? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets. Finished. Gone. You know, we have uh, what we call as gym mirrors in our homes. You know, gym mirror. Okay. Gym mirrors, when you stand before the mirror, you look thin. You know, if you go to a museum, uh, sometimes uh, you look long, sometimes you look short, but when you come to the mirror of the word of God, you look the way you are. You immediately forget. How many of you like correction? You know what? Correction is painful, but love it, please. That is what we call as accountability. Say that. Everybody lightly. Okay. Repeat after me. Repeat, repeat after me, okay? Commandment is a lamp. Law is light. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. Is that your way of life? That is the reason why uh, Charan's uh, metaphor for the pulpit was fantastic. What is it? It is a cockpit. You know why? In the cockpit, the, the, the pilot is always doing correction. Correction. So receive meekness. That is what we call as humility. Everything else is humblicity. You are acting as if you are humble. And that's my new word. Okay, we can add it in Webster's later on. Okay. Humblicity will become like Google again, no? Later on. Google has become a dictionary word, no? Xerox has become dictionary. Those days used to call photocopy. Xerox? What is Xerox? Photocopy. No, Xerox has become, has been adopted into the English language. James 1, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Don't forget your correction. Don't forget correction. Don't forget to take correction. Just come and come make yourself accountable. You know, people don't like accountability these days. They don't like accountability. Many of the pe- people, I'm honestly telling you, so many people tell me, you know, I hear your messages, I hear your messages, why are you not here? Your church messages. I, I ask them, okay, you like the message? Oh, fantastic message. Oh, very nice doctrine. Your doctrine is solid. Where are you? No. Too much. You're scared. Honestly, you know what? Holiness is scary. But you know what? Holiness is something which attracts you and also scares you. Holiness is something it attracts you and scares you. Worship the Lord with trembling. Rejoice with trembling. How can somebody rejoice with trembling? You know, holiness of God attracts you and scares you. It's good. Because holiness has got righteousness, and love and discipline. Discipline corrects you and love accepts you. Alright, so we have 
sixth pillar is seventh pillar is correction and why do we need all this that because we have a commission we have a commission if you are messed up in your life like me you know most of us can definitely say i am not apostle paul for sure who dares to say that we are apostle paul over here let me see we will resign from the pulpit you can come and stand. just kidding but many of us can say you know what i relate with peter and many of us said so many times in our life lord this life i just want to give up this christian life mere se nahi hoega let me go back to my research and all night i will work and not get one result and he will come to me after two years and say vijay did you publish any paper no lord that's exactly what happened to peter he forgot his commission pete became repeat went back to his old lifestyle and all night he caught nothing i go fishing all night caught nothing you know why jesus said because without me you can do nothing means nothing and you know what will happen if you were a successful whatever before and you got converted and after a while you say baba this christian life is very difficult let me go back to my coding you will become the worst coder on planet earth and if god gives you success that means he has actually rejected you all of us have a commission john's gospel chapter 21 when they had finished eating jesus said to simon simon son of jonah do you love me more than these what are these 153 big fish Yes lord you know that i love you feed my sheep feed my lambs feed my feed my lambs tend my sheep feed my sheep i have a commission so this morning everyone has a commission we call it the great commission but within the great commission there are sub commissions and everyone has a specific part to play in that subcommission don't forget that if you have if you haven't found out what your purpose is ask god lord what is my purpose what is my commission otherwise you'll just be wandering without knowing where you're going that is the reason why if you have failed you know what paul says in first corinthians chapter 11 for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was what betrayed i love that took bread and when he had given thanks he said take it this is my body which is broken for you sorry do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he took the cup and after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in 
remembrance of me. In other words, don't forget the last C, the covenant that God has made you, made with you. In that covenant, you know what that covenant is? Even though you are unfaithful, he will still remain faithful. He still remains faithful. That is the reason why he says, I am going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I am going to give them a new heart. I am going to give them a new mind. I am going to write my laws in the deepmost parts of their hearts and I am going to cause them to walk in his ways. And if you have a desire, pastor was talking about a promise that you can claim. Take that as a promise. Lord, you promised that you will cause me to walk in your ways. Lord, I claim that promise, Lord, because you have made a covenant with me for myself. Do not forget his covenant. So this morning, let a man examine himself and so on low and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Pastor James, can you come and please? In Can I have 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26? Just for a second, the portion Pastor Vijay read. One verse. Pastor Vijay read till 25, then he went to 28. But I want to read 26. Why we should never forget. And how we remember. 11 and verse 26. It's interesting what he asks us to remember. For whenever you eat this bread. And drink this cup. What do we remember? You see we remember his life. We remember his resurrection. We remember his blessings. We remember his gifts. But he tells us to remember his death. He says, remember my death. Remember the price I paid to make you whole. Don't forget my death. We like remembering his life. Because everything that we get is because he rose again. But he says, remember my death. Don't forget my death. Don't forget that I was punished. Because when we forget his death and only remember his life, we start cooling off. This morning when as we go to communion, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death unless he, until he comes. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. And we come to you in the light of the word we have just received from you, Lord. And I pray, Father, above all, we would never forget the new covenant is the covenant made through the blood of Jesus. Because of your death on the cross. Because you hung there 
and became curse for us. We are redeemed from the curse. Let us never forget the cross, Lord. Let us never forget your death. I pray, Father, when as we partake of the emblems of your body and your shed blood, it will bring healing. It will bring wholeness. It will bring restoration in our relationship with you, with one another. Thank you, Father, once again for giving us your son. Thank you, Jesus, once again for dying for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you chose to dwell in such unworthy earthly vessels. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Now you are exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at your saving grace, I'm full of praise once again. children remember the nine C's? I don't. I don't have a mathematic robotic brain like him. He can remember it all. I don't. You remember the nine C's? At least you remember one C? Even if you forget all the others, don't forget the first one. What is the first one? Passion. Because for believers remember, that is the first sign that you are straying away. You start losing your compassion. When King Saul started and he was anointed as king, there were a few people who refused to accept him as king. But the next day when he won the war and he was coming back, his soldiers said, let's get up those people who said we will not receive Saul. He said, leave them alone. Don't do anything. But then when it came to David, he lost his compassion for a young shepherd boy. And he started chasing him. Also remember about your compassion. The devil can replace genuine compassion with a false compassion. False compassion is to love the things, show kindness to the things or people whom God says no. So he shows compassion to Agak and the leaders of the Amalekites, when God said, destroy them. 
That's why the greatest danger the church is facing today is what is called tolerance, which is false compassion towards things which God hates. So the devil will confuse you by replacing genuine compassion with a false compassion and replace a genuine zeal for God with a false zeal. So you will see next step, what does he do? He first zealously kills the priests of God. Then he zealously kills the Gibeonites with whom Israel has a covenant. So you will see all this happening. But remember always, the first thing you lose is your compassion. David did not lose his compassion. Even when he had opportunities to destroy Saul, he never lost his compassion. And when he hears the news, Saul and Jonathan are dead, he weeps and he grieves. Though they were his enemies, he never saw them as enemies. He never lost his compassion. Okay? Years have gone. David is king, reigning. He's taken another man's wife. Got the man killed. And when Nathan comes, uses an illustration. And he says there was a rich man who had lots of sheep and cattle and everything. And there was this poor man who had only a lamb. You know what the rich man did? When visitors came, he took the poor man's lamb and slaughtered it. David was furious. He said, who is that man? He should should die and he shall return four times over. You know what he said? You are that man. The first thing you lost was your compassion. That's how you know. You are straying away from God. Start losing your compassion. Compassion is never shown to people who are above you. Compassion is always shown to people whom God has placed below you. Remember that. Don't say, I have great compassion for Prime Minister Modi. He doesn't need your compassion. Doesn't need your compassion. There are people, everybody, even if you are a Young person, 14-year-old persons living in the home, you may have a 12-year-old one under you. Remember, that's how you know compassion. You start losing compassion. You start abusing those who are, who have, over whom you have power. Be very careful. Like I always say, like yesterday also I was telling them, That fever is not the disease, but fever is the symptom that you have a disease. If nobody ever got a fever when you had a disease, we would all die of a disease without even knowing it. But God said, I will give you fever so that you know you have a disease. Now, the first things to notice when a believer is going off the road, he starts losing his compassion. Be careful. Be careful. Starts losing his compassion. That's what God is is trying to tell. Today's message, even if you can't remember the first, all nine seats, don't forget the first one. We are all sitting here because of God's compassion, His mercy. That's His mercy. His compassion is His mercy. That's why scripture says, even when you and I woke up this morning, was simply because towards us, His mercy was still new. The day God ceases being merciful to us, that day we die. And we wait, await our judgment. God says, watch out always for that. How compassionate you are. 
when you have power in your hands, when you have authority in your hands, do you extend that hand of mercy? Remember David, through it all was a merciful man, king, everything under his control, first thing. Is there anybody from the household of Saul to whom I can show mercy? They said, one boy is left. He's a cripple. He said, bring him. He said, sit at my table and eat like one of the sons of the king. He was a very compassionate, merciful man. And one day, lost his compassion. Then he slid into, into unbelievable things. So always guard your heart. We don't need false compassion to be compassionate towards things which people's God says. Don't be compassionate. What I hate, you hate. What I love, you love. But remember, you always show compassion in the middle of this thing over people who are below you. In your office, in your home, in your orphanages, wherever. Wherever. That's a sign. The rest is all works which God will not accept. God will not accept. Always see that. You can be absolutely firm on truth like Jesus and be compassionate. You see, the Pharisees had truth. Jesus had truth. The problem was sinners fled from the Pharisees because they had no compassion. Absolutely no compassion. Jesus was even more true than the Pharisees. He said, not even a dot from the word will pass away. I have come to uphold the word, to uphold the truth. You wouldn't budge left and right. But he was unbelievably compassionate. So even if you forget the first nine, don't forget the first one. Don't forget the first one. That is the, that is the first. When you lose your compassion, it will show in your confession. Uriah is dead. That's, we call it today collateral damage in war people die. A man who, who wept literally broken that he cut the edge of another man's cloak. He said it is okay for this guy to die because people die in war because your compassion, your compassion left. Your confession changed. Always look through this. Always look through this. The compassion goes. What you say also changes. Changes. You can see that in the life of David itself. How things change. Okay, so watch these little things. Don't look at as a message you heard for an hour and a half and you took notes. Try to see like what is God trying to tell me? What is God trying to tell me? See, these are warning signs. These are warning signs. A lot of times doctors will tell you if you had come early, it would have been different. If you had come early, it would have been different. That's what God is talking about. One of the simple things I told yesterday also, I think in the men's meeting, I told one of the simple things, oh, it was in the pastors. I don't know, there are so many meetings, Telugu, Nepali pastors. I don't know which meeting I said. What I told them is that no, as long as you think whatever you think, it still doesn't matter because it is a temptation. Proverbs 13 and verse 3. Yeah, it was yesterday, right? Proverbs 13 and verse 3. Is a very, I actually heard it in a movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> I didn't read it in the Bible first. I heard it in a movie first. It's a very powerful. He who guards his lips guards his life. God is saying, just zip your lip. 
if you do not speak it out, you still have in sin. If any man is angry with his brother and calls him, uh, calls him, you can be angry and keep it, you will forget it after some time. Don't open your mouth. Ma, all of us would have been out of a lot of trouble in life if we just had learned to keep our mouth shut. Mouth shut. When Mark Antony said, what Shakespeare is saying, the good that people do is often interred with their bones, but the evil is remembered is because the evil was spoken. You can do ten wonderful, incredibly sacrificial things. You say one nasty thing, people will remember that. Because that's the nature of words. It's either life or death. And they'll forget everything that was done. Because words have power to kill or to destroy. That's why he said, you choose life or death. And he says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's easy to forget a deed. It's very difficult to forget a word. Because that goes here. A deed can be replicated by different people. But the word is only spoken by one. So you want to get out of trouble, guard you. You speak rashly. He says, you will come to ruin because you have chosen that. One of the simplest ways, talk less. Remember Bambi's father said, mother said, if you can't talk right, don't. Talk at all. See, everybody has seen Bambi. It will guard your life when you stand before him because God has said you will give account for every idle word. You will have to give account for your words. Why should I give account? He says, that's the nature. I spoke everything into being and you also spoke everything into being. Okay, so be very careful. Simple things, simple things. And uh, don't talk unnecessary things also. When I see believers sitting and talking, like Pastor Vijay said, no, I don't see them sitting and talking scripture. Discussing God. 90% of believers sit and talk the world and worldly knowledge. Honestly. It's a revelation of our heart. Actually, it's a revelation of our heart. I can understand talking your troubles and praying for one another. I'm not talking about that. General, no, the gup gup we say in Hindi. You know? Honestly, in eternity we look, what a waste of time. What a waste of Because our con- con- conversation is a reflection of what is uppermost in our heart. It's as simple as that. That's why God said, if you love God with all your heart, all your mouth, definitely your heart is full of God, your mouth will speak it. But a heart is a revealer of our thoughts. Whatever is in the heart is what comes out. I'm not saying you don't speak your troubles and all yet, but scripture says all these troubles, but God. Always you will see there is a change in the trajectory, but God, but God, but God. So change it. This third month, third day, say, Lord, I will not forget my compassion. And I will not forget my confession. Because he is called in Hebrews 3 the high priest of our confession. 
Meaning, what does the high priest actually do? In the Old Testament, what did the high priest do? He was going on behalf of the people. All the people came from the outer courts to the inner courts, and they said, we sinned, have forgiveness on us, have mercy. Representing them, the high priest went there and said, Lord, they accept their sin, I represent, I'm bringing their confession. Jesus says, I just represent your confession to the Father. He's the high priest of our confession. He's not going to confess something before the Father, which I have not confessed because he's always true. It's always true. Amen? Shall we stand? Shall we look to the Lord? Father, this morning we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your son, Lord. None of these things we heard today would have mattered would have made sense. We wouldn't have even heard any of these things but for the crucifixion, Lord. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the wisdom and the power and the glory of God, Lord. So we will always preach Christ crucified, O Lord. We will always preach his death and his resurrection. We will always preach his blood, Lord. It is the blood that cleanses us. It's the blood that sanctifies us. It's the blood that speaks on our behalf in the heavenly realm. It's the blood that gives us victory over powers of darkness. So we will always, always remember your death, Lord. And your resurrection. Your death, because we are free from the penalty of sin. Your resurrection, because we are free from the power of death to rise again with you, Lord. We will always remember you, Father. Help us. Help us, Lord, to remember, to remember you, to put you first in our thoughts. And even when we are buried in the midst of troubles and trials to remember, that you are there right beside us. Anyone here, Lord, going through anything that is too hard, you say, is anything too hard for God? Pray once again, I pray, Lord. Your children would reach out and take hold of your hand. It was the hand of God who directed the steps of the Amalekites so that Joseph could be lifted off the pit and go to Egypt, Lord. Just your hand. It was your hand, O oh Lord, which sent him into prison so that he could learn the language of the court. It was your hand who lifted him up from the prison and put him in front of the Pharaoh and gave him the discernment about the prison of, of the dreams, Lord. Your hand. Doesn't matter what our situation is. Father, we remember what you said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. There are so many times, oh Lord, every day, every week, we have forgotten but you have never forgotten us. That's why we are standing here. Your word says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. Your word says I have engraved you in the palms of my hand. Your word says the beloved of the Lord rides upon his shoulders. Your word says he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. You never forget us. 
we forget you. Forgive us, Lord. Help us through this month to bring into our remembrance constantly our Redeemer, our Savior, our Provider, our Shield, our Buckler, our Fortress. You are everything, Lord. Help us to remember, Spirit of God. Bring to our remembrance. We are weak, Spirit of God. You are strong. And you said, Lord, that day when the Holy Spirit comes, He will bring to your remembrance. Help us not to forget you, Lord. And your goodness and your mercies and your loving kindness in our life. Thank you, Father. Help us to walk through this month in faith, knowing God is with us, God has gone before us, God is our rear guard, and His everlasting arms are underneath us. Help us, Lord, for there is none like Thee. There is no one like Thee, Lord. Help us to meditate day and night on You and Your Word. Thank You, Father. By faith, believing You have spoken to us, and the Word has cleansed us, the Spirit has sanctified us, and we have judged ourselves and partaken of Your body and the blood, the emblems. We now lift up holy hands, Father, in thy sanctuary, and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we confess, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Thank you, Father. We ask all this, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide in us and remind us constantly the loving goodness, kindness of God. Amen. Amen.